This is the Off Duty On Duty Podcast, episode number 68. I'm your host, Brian. Welcome to the podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. The Off Duty On Duty Podcast, we take pod <laughs> we take topics relevant to today's gun owners. We tackle them from the perspective of everyday concealed carriers and the perspective of law enforcement officers to give you both angles of discussion. Today, I'm joined by DB. Everybody wanted DB back, and I can't blame them. And we are going to talk about the LE Range Day Recap. I'm going to give you like three things that I saw at the Law Enforcement Range Day at SHOT Show, uh, where I was accompanied by Daryl and uh, the lovely dog, Saber. We're going we're gonna to discuss the ins and outs of them, the three products that kind of stuck, stuck out to us, right? But first, today's episode is brought to you by Excess Sites, title sponsor of the podcast. Check them out at excesssites.com. CCW Safe. You want to save 10% off your membership? Enter code OFFDUTY10 at checkout. They are the most comprehensive coverage by the most experienced team. EDC Belt Company, the foundation belt, the most comfortable, functional, concealed carry belt on the market. Check it out at edcbeltco.com. Also a reminder, the Concealed Carry Podcast Giveaway. Last week, Alex R. won a Pitbull Tactical Magazine Carrier. And uh, next week, they're giving away a pack of their 9mm dummy ammunition or dummy rounds, right? Uh, Invaluable training tool. But you got to sign up weekly. Links are in the show notes to uh, all of the aforementioned sponsors and supporters of the podcast. Let's bring in our guest, Daryl Bulky. We're live. Welcome back, Daryl. <laughs> welcome. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I, I uh, yeah. We, last time we saw each other, everybody's healthy. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have to sit there and drink whiskey to make the, make the pain go away. Well, let's just to sterilize <laughs> the, uh, you know, the vocal cords. The vocal yeah, I know, cords. I get it. I get it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm on, hey, dude, I'm on island time right now. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> one to talk about, you know, killing, killing viruses with alcohol. Well, so. you know, uh, Mel, right before I, I left uh, industry range day there at Boulder, um, Mel was like, you ought to just come down to Havasu. And I went, why do you got to say things like this? I got a long right, week yeah, ahead. It's, yeah. It's uh that's been my, my secret now to how not to get sick at shot show is, you know, we pretty much do the range days cause now <laughs> she has to work instead of me being the, the guy working shot show. And we just come back here. Um, and then we might go back up a day or something if we need to in there, or maybe do two days and that's it. But it, it really relieves getting the plague. Yeah, it, it does. And, it's just, uh, and we're our our show topic is you know the the LE Range Day recap, and uh, I got the great luxury of riding in the Raptor from Boulder to Las Vegas Metro, the the battle wagon, uh, yeah, with a puppy, with a puppy, yeah, yeah, with a with a puppy, yeah, it doesn't get any better than that. Now, are you, know. you talking about Saber or Bubba Rawls when we talk puppy? Saber. Oh, yeah, okay, Saber. that puppy. You, know, you had the other, you had the big the big dog on the way back. But, and you know, we, we did, I did take you guys to in and out. So that, that was important. 
complete success. So, yeah, absolutely. The, yeah, uh, I got to explain, uh, you know, animal fries to Bubba, and you know, we're all good. Another. Oh wow! Didn't know about those. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> so, a secret code. There's a secret code. Yeah, you got to know about these things. So, so I figured we would we would kind of cover three products that uh, maybe some of the uh, industry range day folks didn't get to see, and uh, the first one that popped out to me is the new Aimpoint Duty Optic, and uh, presented by my by our dear brother Wayne Dobbs at right, uh, yeah. LE range day. And, uh, I got to say for the price point, I was really impressed. So. Yeah. You know, the, uh, I should probably stay out of some of this because I did work for aim point for nine or 10 years. And, you know, shot show was my thing there. Normally that would have been me and Wayne out there back in the old days and have spent a lot of time, uh, freezing on that range. Uh, in the yeah. past and a lot of, a lot of good times, but, um, yeah, with the, uh, you know, for me, it was a good chance to get some time. Uh, got to shoot the P2, um, which is what it should have been the whole time. Uh, you know, I'm not going to apologize for anything on this. Uh, I have, uh, you know, I've been in the red dot game. Everybody says, you know, it's a DB is, you know, old grumpy. and doesn't know nothing about none of them. They're red dots. You know, going back, I was shooting at any point in 1989. Um, That's so, when I got my and, uh, first mounted Tasco Pro Point as right, a kid. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. And I had basically almost the same thing, but it was the, you know, aim point had an old tube version of the same thing that I had on my uh, unlimited class uh, revolver. And so, and then, you know, most people forget it was me back in 2000, I believe 2009 at Shot Show. Which it seems like yesterday, but you know, I look back and I go, God, we're talking over a decade of had a T1, um, you know, the Unity mount that was running that stuff. Uh, all of those were prototyped on my guns, uh, by uh, you know, Housel down at LM, uh, LM. And you know, I had people sitting there telling me, Oh, you can't conceal one of those things. I pull my shirt up, I'm wearing a G17 with a uh, T1 on it, which is the gun I still have, and it's still to this date probably my favorite red dot gun. Is that one? I I actually love the T1 right. on a pistol. Um, is, so to see this kind of trend, you know, we're getting there, and you know, a lot of these optics are getting there, and you know the the P2 it looks like will be what we expect from Aimpoint which is a turn it on, leave it on duty level, mill level optic that, you know, should not be breaking. It should remain, you know, hold at zero and they should last five years or so left on. And that's what those optics need to be coming from aim point. And I got to say, you know, the, uh, you know, bear off a little bit, but also very, very impressed um, with hollow sun. And some of the stuff that they've been releasing, I've been, been you know, very, very impressed with. And I, I it's funny because I listen to everybody bag on Hollow Sun because, oh, my God, you're supporting the Chinese. They're stealing stuff. You know, I'm going to just say what I'm impressed with Hollow Sun from being in this industry for a long time. And I'm going to probably, as usual, torque some people off. Hollow Sun listened to experts. 
Holosun has people like Steve Fisher and some of these guys out there. They actually listen to them and they, they're, they're not really stealing American technology. They're stealing American experts who are making input into Holosun out of California, who's making sites that address the things that we need where a lot of these other companies are listening to engineers. Yeah. And, or they're listening to sports shooters. And if you're building a sports shooting site, that's fantastic. And like we said, with a lot of this stuff, um, you know, you end up with the product that your experts that you went to consulting on kind of went with your engineers and that's what you got. And honestly, the Aimpoint P1, I, and I have one on my, well, I have one on a revolver. I've shot it on other stuff, but it's sitting on a revolver right now is to me a good uh, sports site. You turn it on, you go shoot, and you turn it off. Yeah. And it holds up well in a, in a, in a you know, in a, in a, you know the, the competitive world's a harsh environment, so it'll hold up in a harsh environment. But it's a turn it on when you're, when you're training or shooting and turn it off when you're not. But to me, that's not a police site. And so, you know, some of these things are, are dependent on who you're listening to on what the outcome is. Some of these sites have huge windows on them. Doesn't make them easy to conceal, but makes them great on the, uh, on the sport course or for a duty optic. That's, that's overtly carried, um, optics. So, you know, there's, there's a bit of, uh, at this point, I'm going to say is competition is good. Is that there's a lot out there on the optics world that is really, hitting marketing points well another one's the bushnell yeah bushnell's not trying to take down trigicon aimpoint and some of these they're trying to take down the bottom end of the thing for you know people who want a recreational red dot and they they knocked it at, they're the top of the food chain of the recreational sites yeah my my thoughts you know i've i've owned a couple of hollow sun products i've never been displeased with them um, I was always a little hesitant to strap that on something I entrusted my life to, but what I do appreciate about them is they are driving the rest of the industry to innovate at a better price point. And I think a real good example of that is that, uh, that aim point duty optic. And when I look at things from the perspective of, a, you know, a 20 year cop, I go, is it right. easier for me to sell? an agency on, okay, we're, we're going to buy these so-so optics over here that, yeah, you know, they're okay enough to get by. Um, and they're at this price tier, or is it easier for me to go? This is the brand you all love, know, and trust. And we're coming in at a price point that is competitive to all the import items, um, or all the, you know, the East, Asian manufactured stuff that, you know, yeah. so because, you know, aim points got the QC down. Uh, and and when I look at that, I go, man, you could outfit an entire agency's patrol rifles and change batteries every other year. Just turn it on, put it in your bag or in your rack and it, Uh, it do nothing else. 
Yeah, but I did with my actually with my old agency uh, when I was working for Aimpoint. So it, most people know I'm a huge fan of the Comp M4. Um, As am I. I am a I am a Comp M4 guy because it is the most bulletproof. You know, I have the one that you know I have thrown that site across parking lots a thousand times. I've I mean, seen the documented video. a thousand times. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's good. It's a train wreck, but you know, the thing goes on hold zero. And to me, that's what you're looking for in a law enforcement duty optic. The thing is they're horribly expensive and most agencies wouldn't get them. So my own personal old agency, you know, the old team I worked on, which, you know, I was, everybody goes, Oh, dude, you've always been so down on EOTechs. Yeah, you know why? To put EOTechs into my own agency. I ran, I ran the sites on, you know, with the logistical support involved with running those. I wasn't just making this up. I actually had to support a whole team running EOTechs. And when it came time to replace those, um, by then, you know, I was working for Aimpoint and came in and the guys all wanted Comp M4s. Budget couldn't hold Comp M4, so the decision was going to be made, look, we're going to take off, we'll kill off all the uh, broken EOTechs that are completely zero. And it was kind of funny, I'll, I'll, I'll do a little pathway off to the side. A bunch of the new SWAT guys had EOTechs that didn't even work. They were like an aquarium. We called them an aquarium for their iron sights. You know, they're just looking <laughs> through. You know, it's a piece of glass that doesn't do anything because they're broken. But, you know, when you're brand new on SWAT, you don't want to say anything. You know, you're just kind of happy to be there. You got the cool guy stuff on your gun. It just doesn't work. So what they decided to do was they were going to call off all the broken sites that just didn't work, replace those with Comp M4, and then the next budget year they would do the rest of them. And that was about the time they released the pro. And, you know, here's the reality. The pro is the Comp M3, mm-hmm. which was a fantastic military grade, top of the line in military. It's all over the world. It's the Honda Accord, you know, Toyota, you know, Hilux of the red dot optics world. It isn't the best of them. It isn't the most expensive, but God, they worked. That became the pro. I went my own agency. I go, hey, look, why don't you just buy pros for everybody and call this good? Yeah. And once they looked at them, they were like, yeah, okay, we're done. So they all went to pros, you know. I, and then they put micros on the MP5s, which was a good, you know, application form. But you know, again, it fit that budget thing. So this new optic is kind of in a small size version of the pro, and I'm all about that. Is if you can get these things into these agencies of quality equipment, turn it on, leave it on. It's simple. It, 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 I like the system of the single dot where you bring the thing up, both eyes open, dot on, press the trigger. Because one of the things I hate with the red dots, and this is a guy who spent, again, a decade training people on these, is, you know, it's like kind of one of my crusades of quit pointing guns at people that we can't shoot. My other crusade is quit looking at people through optics that you can't shoot. Because the big thing a lot of people like using those optics for is a television set. They got the gun up. They're watching the whole world through the TV set. And what we end up doing is muzzling everything to try to use a piece of equipment, which is that optic thing. You know, what we need to do is get guys on a hinge point on those rifles. So when you do make a shoot decision, 
snap it up, grab the dot, and press trigger on a surgical shot. So, yeah, really impressed with that stuff. Uh, again, we got to shoot the uh, P2 a bit, and uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about what I got to shoot a P2 on. We will. Um, Bre- I was actually incredibly, incredibly happy with that as well. I was and, as well. Uh, on, on something that I don't get impressed with very often. Same here. And, yeah. So, you know, so I was really happy with the uh, – with the game point stuff. And again, you know, I'm always going to, you know, you know, be, again, Wayne Dobbs, my business partner on the training side. Um, you know, it, I, I know, you know, I know the man like a brother and there is nobody out there more dedicated to, you know, back in the troops out in the field, you know, the, the LE guys who are out there working. So, um, well, yeah, it was kind of fun doing that. I have a 30 year history with aim point, actually closer to 40 now. Uh, back to the aim point 1000 that, uh, my granddad bought and mounted on a Remington semi-auto tube fed 22 because it was in the gun shop. Nobody would buy it. I think that's what I actually had on my, uh, on my unlimited revolver. It was a 1000 or 2000, something like that. Yeah. It was a late eighties. So one of those old aim point, uh, tubes, that thing is silver and it's still in a box somewhere. I got to go find it at dad's (laughs) shop, but, um, and then fast forward, I get, you know, I joined the army and they're giving out the M 68, which is now the pro essentially. Um, and the only problem we had with them was the batteries were kind of hard to source at that time. You're talking, right. this is pre Amazon pre internet. I mean, yeah. and we had about a 16 hour battery life on that. So you, and getting around weapons cases and dragging them all night through the muck. Oh, so you had no that that was the M two. Yes, it would have uh, been so the M two. You probably had the M two. Yeah, the the next iteration of the M threes really changed a lot of that. Um, you know, those M twos. You know, it was funny. We uh, went down uh, when I was doing some work with them, and uh, you know, kind of funny story with some of the guys in the uh, uh, naval special warfare world. Um, they got new, you know, budget for new sites and you know, the guys wouldn't give the old ones up. It's like, dude, I've deployed this all over the place. It's my happy place. It's my good luck thing, you know? And, uh, so, you know, but again, you know, if you have the logistical support to be changing batteries all the time, you know, again, it goes back to that. If you have the support level to do that, then none of it really matters. But here's the problem, you know, is most LE guys don't have the logistical support and they're not what we would call in most cases dedicated end users. They use the stuff you give them and they beat the tar out of it. You know, 90 something odd percent of cops are not gear dudes or gals and they just, you know, whatever happens to be on it, they tell them to run. That's it. And, you know, when you're the people in charge of supporting stuff from non-dedicated users, some of these things become big issues like batteries. And that's that was the problem I had with the EOTechs because my guys ate batteries. And then, you know, I'd have the SWAT van filled up with, you know, eight tons of batteries. And these guys would sneak in there and leave like little gophers with mouthfuls of batteries that they're, you know, <laughs> you know everybody's hoarding, you know, because uh, you couldn't keep the sights on. And, you know, so, it, again, these become a different issue when you're deploying them to non-dedicated folks. We, we um, had an incident at my agency where a, a, a good friend of mine deployed with one in a, I got the rifle out of the case and bad guy presented himself right now and EOTech was off. 
And he was like, I hit the button once, flipped my irons up and done. Uh, he was like, yeah. I, I loved the site, but at, because of the battery <laughs> issue, I couldn't really get it to yeah, turn we, on we, fast we, enough. So, right. uh, but with aim points, you know, I went through the military with an M 68 and then I watched those things literally get dropped out of aircraft when somebody would rig their gear wrong and their weapons case would spiral in from 800 feet and the, the, the rifle would be mangled and you'd, you'd hit the rheostat and the aim point would come on. Now the gas seals well, we might be to, bad, yeah. but yeah, well, we used to have that whole display, um, you know, drag out to shot show with all the sights <laughs> yeah. down on motorcycles burned, you know, and that was my big thing. Like I said, with the comp M4. So I know the first year we had those out with the U S military, um, we didn't have a single site come back. Now that's sort of a miracle <laughs> by itself when they're deployed in, you know, Afghanistan and Iraq. And, you know, always there's, you know, there's, there's, there's private snuffy out there somewhere whose M4 gets caught in the door of a Bradley yeah, or something. I mean, you always have those or, or particularly with the IED stuff, um, you know, they were getting a lot of equipment blown up along with our troops, but you know, the, the, some of this stuff went to horrific stuff and you expect it to come in and they didn't have one of them come back, which was it's pretty really incredible. a testament to how good the M4 is and you know why it's still to this day. You know, the thing's a big pig. It weighs a ton, but I'm at a point in life where I deploy from driving myself there and mm-hmm. always have. I've always been on the vehicle deployment program. Yeah. Um, you know, the Daryl Bulky School of Military Strategy, and if everybody followed it, we wouldn't be in a lot of wars. If you can't drive to it, it's not worth taking. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you think about that for a philosophy, um, yeah, if there's no road there, uh, why do we want it? So that's sort of, you know, uh, and so, you know, being a vehicle deployed person, I didn't care that the site was heavy. I just cared that, you know, I put double A lithiums in them, turned them on, left them on, and I could care less, actually, you know, retired before the batteries died. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. so that, that, uh, that new site, the duty optic, uh, I, I won't quote aim point pricing or anything like that. But when I looked at that, I went, you know, an agency would be hard pressed to not be able to outfit a rifle program completely with these and know that one, it's got the aim point warranty, uh, two in my area, Wayne Dobbs is our LE rep. So I know it's going to get taken <laughs> care of. And then three, the button location is in a place that, you know, some ham-handed, like, meat eater is not going to, like, disturb it unintentionally, if that makes sense. You're not going to accidentally go, oh, man, it's it's so it's so bright and red in there, I can't see anything. Uh, right. And it had, like, four or five brightness settings. Uh, really simple, you know, it's private snuffy proof. And, uh, the only thing that I, you know, it fits right in between like the, the, the T2 and like the comp M5 kind of size size. The, yeah. Yeah. The mounts integral size in all honesty. It, yeah, it really is. And, and the, well, the integral mounts is always a key thing. Um, and so again, you know, one of the other, um, things I'm going to add to that too, for these law enforcement agencies, you know, a lot of them, uh, you know, poo-poo, oh no, we, we can't do you know, optics, 
they got to do iron sights. I'm going to make this, you know, I'm going to just say one of those things. Your and my era, you know, particularly mine coming into yours, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, iron sights were a thing. We did not have the area of Call of Duty. The kids going into law enforcement and the military now understand red dot sites. More so than iron. Yeah, irons are baffling old people stuff that, you know, you're aligning multiple things. There's a lot of uh, voodoo to them that we all think is simple. But in the big picture, these these younger uh, uh, soldiers and law enforcement people are very, very oriented to, you know, turning electronics on and the simplicity and ease of doing that there, it is so much easier to train. And, you know, when I was working for Aimpoint, that was my big push to the agencies is like, train them up on the red dots. You use the irons as a backup confirmation. You know, and what I tell guys is, you know, before you go 10, eight, Erect your irons, make sure the dot and the irons all line up, because if they do, everything's good. If they don't, one of the two is not on yep. and go to work, you know, you know, you know, uh, either, you know, retract the irons, do whatever you're going to do. But that red dot becomes your primary. And I am big on that. It's a 24 seven site. Yep. Again, I was a graveyard guy for, you know, I was a night guy for 19 years. So everybody forgot about us. All these agencies, well, we got to have iron sights. Uh, you know, like three quarter of your patrol people are working in darkness. Yeah, thank it's you, a thing. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, it's a thing. So why don't you give them a site they can use in those conditions? And so it, it's it's well, it's my- a no brainer on the long guns now, and we're still we're getting there on the handguns. You know, and like I said, I was one of the first guys running pistol red dots and one of the first guys kind of mounting those things in deep in glocks and stuff and you got to get to the point i I always said they're they're good but we're not quite there we just need to kind of design a gun around the optics and we're getting closer so uh, which again will kind of bring us up to the next one so Um, yes you know we're we're there you know we're, we're pretty close right now to where you can get people from jump to start using these. And then I kind of this week, uh, training with a friend of mine had a bit of an epiphany on myself, um, oh. shooting wise, which is going to change, change some stuff. So, well, I got to say like with the red dot thing on handguns, I've been telling people for a while, just pump the brakes and let the industry catch up. Before yeah. you dive headfirst into this, let's let the industry figure this out. Let's get the, you know, the Steve Fishers and the, those guys that are out here doing it all the time to drive the industry in a direction that we have a purpose built top end for a gun. And well, my whole thing has always been as soon as we have the red dot where the front sight was or there or similar. Yeah, but nobody, you know, everybody, you know, everybody looks like me, like I got a horn coming out of my head, like usual when I'm all, that's why I was so excited about the alien until I saw the price tag. I'm, I'm going to get one of those. And I'm throwing a micro right up on the front of it. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that doesn't reciprocate. That's going right on the front, you know, and, and, and then I saw the price tag. I go, well, I can't, 
can't get it into the system yet. I, I got too many registered magnums I need to own before we right. do that. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, the uh, moving on to that topic, the second thing, and I will be the first to confess that that nothing will turn me away from an instructor, a shooter, anything faster than when they show up with a ten coated barrel Gucci Glock, right? That to me, I go get, get, move on. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So you introduced me to our now mutual friend, uh, Bubba, Bubba, right. Um, Uh, James, much, much like, uh, (laughs) most of the other people you've introduced me to in the industry. It's like, Oh, we're both cool. Now we're friends moving on. Um, but he's working for shadow systems and I, again, I've seen the litany of Gucci Glocks and I've never thought that any of them had any amount of innovation other than paint and trim. So, you know, the house was either the same, right? It was just paint and shutters, man. As an instructor, you know, you you know, I see those things come through classes. I've been in classes with them and most of them don't run. You watch them. We just kind of know that. You're just watching two thousand dollar Glocks crap in the bed, you know. And and, and, <laughs> yes. and and you know the other half. The problem is a lot of the people who are really into two thousand and three thousand dollar Glocks are people who are buying. Uh, yeah, it's not all of them. You know, usually they get their name with people who aren't. But then a lot of the consumers of those tend to be the um, buying a skill set. Um, you know, I can't press a regular Glock trigger. So I've got this thing yeah. that has, if you sneeze funny, it'll go off. It'll go off when you drop it too, but don't worry about that. Cause you'll never um, drop it. So, you know, right. right. So, you know, you got all these, these, these bazillion dollar, uh, striker fired system guns that, you know, I, the beauty of Glocks to me have always been, and, and again, you know, first off-duty incident I was ever in was with a G17 in 1988, you know. So it isn't like I was, you know, oh, you hate Glocks. No, I, 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 I appreciate them. Program to me, yeah, they're very good disposable pistol tools. <laughs> Thank um, you. That's what I've always said about them. Right. It's one of the few guns I can actually work on all by my lonesome without screwing up. Um, Don't yeah, have to I call me in the middle of the night. Nope. I just, you know, it's funny because they, the, my, the, my big beef with them is we hand them out like candy and it's not to me a candy gun because no. of the trigger system. And you know how I am about that. Cause we have a lot of people who can't keep fingers off of triggers and we're, we're giving those people guns with not much trigger. So the, the beauty of clocks is they're easy to shoot. And the problem with them is they're easy to shoot, you know? It, so it's it's its own thing, but I have always appreciated the guns and like them. So, except when I got, we had some problems at one point. I think it was like the three ten three point something or other. I hadn't yeah. ordered up my ultimate bad, the best one ever, and the thing ejected like a lawn sprinkler. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, he even went to the Glock rep and he, I said, you know, here's the problem. Somehow. Well, you know, I called Glock, of course, because I'm limp wristing. Uh, sure. I got, you know, it, it's like, um, you know, it's funny because I got a half a million rounds for these guns 
and never had a problem before. So I think it's this one. Oh no, you must be limp wristing. You know, and then I I got with one of the Glock LE reps and told him about it. He goes, Well, we've heard about it, but I've never seen one. So I called Dobbs up. I said, Hey, uh, hey, Brink, because they were they were prototyping all the um uh I believe it was the Apex stuff. Um mm-hmm. For it, you know, and I said, uh, hey, bring the spawn of Satan down to the range. (laughs) uh, Wayne brings it down, the Glock rep shoots it. He's taking, you know, know, vicious notes. And he goes, oh, my God, I've never seen anything like this. I go, I told you so. There's a whole bunch of these out there, you know, that do this. Yeah. So with that, I kind of, that's when I started getting into shooting the HKs um, on the striker guns. I moved to P30s and then the VP9s. And, um, but, you know, you sit here and go, okay, so. So a good friend, um, I worked with, uh, James Rawl. We all know him as Bubba, um, at, uh, Aimpoint. And he's, he's left them and gone to, he was at Blue Force Gear, another great company. I love, Yeah, I got to see Chris besides love while I was there from Blue Force. Yeah. We, we made fast friends too. So (laughs) yeah. So yeah. Well, you know, again, having a, you know, at the time, you had like a 10 week old lab puppy with me really, you know, I was like a magnet for people well um, <laughs> well i'm i'm gonna call it uh db's tactical friend matchmaker because yeah, <laughs> yeah everybody wants to pet the puppy so uh, <laughs> there was that yeah. um, look santa has a puppy so the uh, we um and so you know i was talking to james he's working for shadow systems for their defense side it's coming on for their law enforcement uh to do law enforcement stuff and i went yeah and i, I had a, a real real heart to with james and it was like Hey, bro, I know you too well. You wouldn't be doing it if the gun's not good. And he goes, bro, the gun's good. Okay, I'll go look at it, you know, and I'll tell you, you know, it, it, it fits a point with the shadow system stuff. I'm really impressed because it's got all the external Gucci stuff that normally is a turnoff to me. But here's the deal. I tell people, if you're going to drop two grand on a Glock, my God, go get a staccato. Right. And quit messing around. Just go get a staccato that we know they work. You know, it's that's where that gun belongs. Um, you know, if you're going to go three grand, you better be going to a custom 1911 pistol smith and making right. a piece of artwork like I do. And, you know, but so there's certain things that sort of really fit in a certain price point. And where that shadow systems gun hits is you're kind of getting all the cool stuff at about double a blue label gun, Glock, but half of the Super Gucci. Right. Or more than half of the Super Gucci that's actually produced and replicable because everybody I've talked to on, believe me, I've talked to a ton of people now on them are like, they run. They just run. They work. They absolutely work is not anomalies and stuff so on kind of a cool thing um i shot one of their guns there with the uh p2 on it same here point acro p2 and uh my god i was destroying stuff out there you know at at, at some distance and yeah it was everything was right about it felt good recoil impulse uh sight tracking uh, reliability, ergonomics, placement. It was kind of like running a Glock, but with all the cool, neat stuff done that I didn't have to do. And the best thing is, is the consumer's not doing it because that's where half the problem comes in mm-hmm. is when you have the consumer 
installing all of these parts off of YouTube videos, which is, and you and I both know is particularly bad when we're dealing with law enforcement people. You now have a stock factory produced gun with a set of specifications to it that they're staying with. The triggers are not stupid light. Mm -hmm. The triggers are predictable. It's a duty trigger. They're drop safe. It's got all those little factors that are, I'm pretty demanding on. Yes. And, but you know, the grips feel good without it, you know, doing, you know, having it to send to somebody. And, uh, yeah, I was really impressed. And then that little one is pretty cool. So <laughs> a little one, my, oh, the other thing I wanted to go ahead. Well, my, my take on that gun, cause I was the consummate skeptic. And when uh, DB says, no, you really need to look at that. So I go over and look at it and I went, you know, the gunsmith part of me starts looking at it from the, uh, the engineering standpoint. And I went, oh, they engineered some stuff into this that didn't take away from, uh, you know, the, the reliability that we all love about Glocks. And I say that from, from, you know, you've known me long enough. I've, I've had the the Langdon tactical Beretta in service for uh, many years now. And, and then last year I went, I'm going to buy an off the rack gun to prove to these people that I'm teaching that it ain't the gun, bro. It's all about the, it's the execution of, of certain things. Well, I, so I shoot a bone stock G 45 now. And I, I went to Bubba and I said, what's your G 45 equivalent? And he hands me the, the XR920, which is essentially a G45. And the first thing I looked at was it didn't have suppressor sights on it and it had an acro P2 on it. And I went, right. Eureka, there it is. That's <laughs> yeah. the gun. And uh, I shot it a fair amount. And it, one thing is suppressor sights irritate me, completely irritate me because they're. Uh, if somebody engineers a gun around an optic, they're completely unnecessary. Uh, and two, the gun felt just like my G 45, only a little better. And I mean, a little better in, okay. Some of the curves are engineered. Some of the texturing are engineered. Um, the trigger felt really similar, but just, just a touch better. Uh, but the weight was the same. There was nothing elaborate about the gun other than the way they engineered the mounting system for the red dot. And I went, okay, finally, somebody has taken note of what the the bell I've been ringing of, Hey, instead of building a gun that fits a red dot, why don't you, uh, you know, that, that adapts to a red dot. Why don't you build a gun that the red dot works with in a system? Right. Yeah. And that's sort of the, uh, where I was going is the, you know, if you talk about an engineering thing, so by changing the engineering on the extractor, yes, which has been the weak point in the Glock all along, I will go to bat. The gun does not function great in all of the cycle of operation. They have always been on the ragged edge of ejection and extraction. It, it's just the nature of the beast with the gun. Yeah. Um, it, it, it relies, you know, Glocks kind of rely on the magazine to help with extraction and injection, period. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, which normally doesn't matter until you're bleeding upside down in a gut or somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> trying to shoot the gun. Then, yeah. it, then it matters. But for most of the time, it doesn't matter. So 
by changing the extractor system, they allow you to, it changes the part of the Glock that's bad or not less than optimal anything by trying. Yeah. So you're not hurting anything by trying to maybe make a change there, but what it does do is it attacks the biggest weakness of the optics, which is how they get on the gun. So now, because you don't have that channel there in the back, they can deep seat. So they deep sink some screws into that thing, get the sight on there low and deep sink. It's not like there's, two one and a half threads going in holding the side on it's anchored in there and right. yeah that was the biggest thing i noticed is how the sight tracked and recoil using very low sights it's all you know it's back to you're kind of like shooting an enhanced iron sight gun mm-hmm. and instead of something with this big thing on it so and i want to there's a rep out there and i know he doesn't subscribe to the podcast but if he ever did i'm going to apologize to him for lighting him up in a uh, pitch but one of the things that has absolutely incensed me about the entire red dot culture is, well, you got to buy this red dot. Okay. And you got to buy this platform. That's got this. And then you got to go to Joe's machine shop and order galvanized screws that are this thread pitch. And then when you get done with that, you got to go over here to Bob's machine shop and get this plate that mates up with this. But if you get it this way, it won't work with this optic. But And I go, I've been a cop 20 years. I, I was four years in the military before that, and I'm a gun guy. And when you turn me off, that's bad. Right. When you, when you make you know, me have to source nine vendors to make one system work, I go, get rid of it. It, it, it doesn't do anything for me. But when you go, yeah, you, know, uh, you buy this, you bolt the red dot on. And by the way, don't worry about how, what plate thickness and screw length and all that. Just bolt it on the freaking gun and go. I go, we're done. We're there. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, because they're machine and all the stuff, you know, uh, down the road, you want to change that. You could probably just sell off the upper and start over again with another one order or another upper, whatever. But one of the big turn ons with that gun and that system again is that what I, t- I i had some pretty deep discussions with uh bubba about marketing on this stuff because i'm, I'm kind of on board mm-hmm. and you know it's not like you're not going to get a major police department to be buying basically you know kind of a eight nine hundred dollar glock it ain't gonna happen war teams special weapons and tactics team your shooting team guys you're Range staff, you're fine. Your, your gun people can now shoot something that's just like everybody else's. That's a factory production things that has armors classes that has uh, technical data specs that you can tell guys you get it and you can't touch it just like the other stuff. Right. It will come delivered in a way that gun, the more firearms oriented people can appreciate without going to something that you start getting into tolerance stacking, all the other problems or aftermarket mm-hmm. parts. And, you know, everybody can say, um, Oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter if you modify your gun as a cop. So you and I both know a couple people involved in an incident recently where the first question from the attorney on scene with the officer was, okay, before we even get started, what have you done to your Glock? And yep. the answer was nothing. 
Yeah. And the attorneys, the attorneys doing hallelujahs and thank God, because every time I go out on an officer involved shooting now, the first thing I have to deal with is all the BS the cop put into the gun on their own that's out of policy. And people say that's not an issue. It's an issue. It's a real honor from a guy who did that stuff from a year a guy with it. Your dad's deep involved and you've got a you've got a, a whole leg involved in that whole end of the world as opposed to a toe. Right. Um, um, that's a big deal. So again, where you have something that somebody's producing something that's replicable, that you can policy correctly, you can do that from a law enforcement standpoint. Uh, I'm all about that. Yeah. I, and I have yeah, sights so, on a Glock. That's it. Because, yeah, that's it. because and, they and ship know, with goes, dovetail protectors is what I look right. at them as. Right. But yeah. But yeah, I, I tell you, it, from the friends in the legal world, they would like nothing more than they issued me this gun. I put it in this holster, qualified with it, and went forth to do the Lord's work. Right? That's it. Uh, and I, you know, I've heard a lot of people in the uh, untested theory realm say, "Well, I can explain exactly all the modifications to this, that, and the other that I've done," and I go. Can you explain it to a 26 year old school teacher who has her liberal arts degree that's going to be setting on your jury? Can you explain all that to her? Uh, oh, no. I, I borrowed no, that from we, somebody. We, yeah, we, well, yeah, mine was, yeah, I usually use the 58 year old second grade teacher who's been doing it, but it's the same thing. Um, but here's the, here's the other problem is with that comes, it costs money to defend that stuff and it wastes time effort into other more important things. You threw another poop in the swimming pool. That's got to get skimmed out and somebody has to get paid for that dirty work. So when you kind of look at this, that you, if you don't have the poop in the pool, somebody doesn't get paid a lot of money to get it out of there. And, you know, I was the guy, that's what I did on Austin Wall shootings. I mean, my big thing was examining the guns, ensuring that the gun was right. And there was no issues with the firearm itself. There were no issues with the ammunition. And then I kind of pushed that into, there was no issues with the training either. And that was sort of a factor that hadn't been done much before I came along, but I, I address, that was what I did on OIS is, is address those issues. Sounds like a side. puppy's getting, uh, getting a little yeah, excited we, there. We have, you can hear, we have the pig out at the toy box over here. She's upside down at the toy box. So it woke up from its nap. Um, the, but you, you have this situation where the, these are issues and they come up in depositions. They are different pathways and they all cost money and experts and they cloud the waters. And if you're running, I mean, even in this day and age, you could be in the best shooting in the whole world and you're still walking the razor's edge with some yeah. of these DAs. Do you really want to cloud that up? So anytime you can do something where you're not going completely off the rails with this stuff and you have policy behind it, you have, you can do an armors review on it. You have set specifications and everything meets those criteria ahead of time. 
you don't have the problem down the road. And, you know, this goes back to another thing. Like I said, I just had an epiphany this week is shooting with somebody else because I was running some red dot stuff and doing some training while I'm down here in Havasu. And, you know, I have horrible eye issues. You know, part of why I went out of law enforcement, I had a crescent wrench punch through my left eye. Uh, my eyes don't see the same place. So I don't have binocular vision anyways, which is not a huge deal in close. When I get at distance, I have to shoot with one eye. I got to pick the good one. But I also have a pretty bad astigmatism. And I can fix it, but I don't like wearing glasses and contacts and stuff. So I just suck it up. And, you know, I've always been on the small dot precision, you know, mm-hmm. doing rifle stuff, magnifying, whatever. I was doing that on the pistol sights, and I actually shot a 6MOA uh, 407K. And I went, oh, my God, I can actually see that. It looks like a dot. And I kind of came up with, you know, I've heard about this phenomenon from years talking to people that um, when you power because the answer was always, well, if I don't like the two MOA dot, I just juice it harder. Well, see, for me, juicing that harder, you know, dialing up the intensity makes a bigger asterisk. Yeah, or Where great cluster, like a, yeah. Right, yeah, with a six MOA dot, I can't dial it down, but it's crystal clear to me now. So I'm really changing some philosophy around that, kind of looking at that. So, which gets to the other, you know, uh, shadow systems thing is that CR920, uh, is the uh, new compact uh-huh. it's sort of a g48 it's or i'm sorry d43 ish compromised size thing and that with some of these micro optics on it should be a phenomenal off-duty uh retired plain clothes rig yeah because um, you got kind of that short grip like a 26 ish yeah but it's also a slim line, but holds 10 rounds in the primary and 13 in the uh, support mag. And, uh, you know, boy, it's a neat little system. Yeah, yeah, that with a red dot on it. You have a very, very capable small gun. So my uh, personal battles with astigmatism and vision, what I figured out was if I look at optics projected on a plane, I get a grape cluster. If I look at an LED through a tube, I get a dot. So kudos aim point. That's another reason that I'm a huge aim point fan. Uh, it's the other ones, you know, I just got to pick the spot on the grape cluster that I think is close enough to where I want to shoot. Uh, I actually returned like three red dots and went, man, this one's broken. The lens is bad or something. Uh, before brother Larry Vickers said, dude, you got an astigmatism. I went, Oh yeah. So apparently he's an optometrist on the site as well, but well, you know, the uh, aim points guy back at the factory, uh, John Enlow, who's uh, Enlow's just a superstar for handling a lot of this stuff. You know, he, he's one, you know, if you can get him on the phone with some of these problems, that you know, has all these little tests to talk people through with either the optics broken or your eyes are broken. And I'm going to, I'm going to venture. It's about 9.9 to 0.1. Your eyes are broken um, when they start testing them. So he's got some stuff you can do with the optics to tell if it's your eye or if it's the optic. And like I said, most of the time it's the eye. Cause I started using some of that stuff when I was out in the field with guys who couldn't see stuff and people were having a difficult time. So that kind of gets back to that. We all, you know, people have hit me up a lot over the years, and this has been an ever-changing issue for me as well. And age will bring this on and injury and stuff. 
don't ever ask anybody what sites to run. You know, we all see these things differently. Our eyes are different. What we perceive is different. Um, you can take some guidance from some real experts uh, in the shooting world on eye stuff. Um, and then I find the best shooters out there usually have phenomenal vision. And that's something I've traced back to when I do my uh, training habits of uh, highly successful pistol fighters is I have traced back, you know, well over a hundred years that the best shooters we've produced on the gunfighters, a lot of them have one of the, the things is most of them have some sort of freak phenomenal vision. Um, I, I had a uh, Daryl moment. The rest of us have to fight. Yeah, the rest of us have to struggle through it. Um, Wayne Dobbs, phenomenal vision. Wayne sees things I don't see. Um, Gabe White has mm -hmm. vision stuff. Gabe does. Gabe tries to explain it to the rest of us, and a lot of us try, but Gabe White has vision that's not like everybody else. So to me, having sort of an option and looking at this as a police agency firearms instructor background, if I have some options on a pistol that I can start addressing some shooter vision issues with sighting systems that doesn't detract from the base system of the gun, that I really have some options on how I set these things up with sights and optics and red dots and stuff like that. Um, to me, that's a super huge benefit. And agencies that sort of across the board ban this stuff, um, that's typical of making big mistakes and not having the right people on staff to, to, to fight. The, the police firearms instructor world often runs the wrong flag up the hill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on what they're fighting for. Yeah. You know, we need more guns. For, it's usually on some caliber thing. Um, well, there's a new caliber out. We got to have that one. Okay. Um, it, you need, it, it's like, how, how can we better get people to perform effect effectively? Um, which also usually flies in the face of the caliber that the firearms instructor wants or some other weird thing, you know, um, and sighting systems are another one. You know, that was always a big thing. It was like, oh, we got to have AQ sights on the M16, you know, whatever, because, you know, for 800 meters and all this other. And I'm like, yeah, because I issued those guns. And you know what they do with the 800 meter sights in the police car? If two is good, eight must be better. Right. And they play with knobs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, this is one we give, we give stuff to cops and you got to have this stuff. That all goes simple and adaptable. Yeah, that all goes back to my theory that if I have to go to five different machine shops to make one red dot work, right? Joe, and can you imagine doing that? No, that for some some shooter comes in and you identify they got some weird cross-eyed dominance, astigmatism, goofball problem, and as an instructor, you're trying to fit up a sighting system on a gun to work for that shooter to make them proficient. <laughs> Uh, it becomes an issue when it would sure be nice if it was easy to make that happen as opposed to, uh, okay, let me go talk to the uh, chief's office about getting your gun down in the machine shop to do 72 different operations on this thing to try to put this on it. it, it it's gotta be, a, it's gotta be a simplistic system to do it. Well, I, I had a lot a of the attempts we've got right now are early yeah. and not quite there yet. Right. I had a, I had a Daryl Bulky pat myself on the back moment. I was standing there with Bubba talking, and I'm watching bullets go down range and hit the uh, this mannequin target. 
and they're hitting him in the neck. And I look over at the shooter and I realize that his red dot, the red dot that they had at the distance he was shooting was zeroed a little bit low. And, you know, he couldn't see the impacts. And I'm watching this group and I went, oh, that's freakish. I shouldn't be able, apparently, according to Daryl, I shouldn't be able to do that. But I have, and I don't have the greatest vision, but I have a problem seeing the color green. I'm not green colorblind. <laughs> But yeah. something with the rods and cones in my eyes, I can perceive like one fifteen nine millimeter going down range. It's just there's something to it. Um, and, and I talked to Dobbs about that, and he and I were like, "Yeah, you know that red green thing." Like, so I don't know. There's got to be some kind of science there's there. Stuff, and, yeah, no, and I'm I'm sort of the same way. I remember when uh, you know, like Trigicon came out with all the amber stuff. Amber was the you know the heat, heat back yeah. in the day was amber and you know got all the amber stuff and i couldn't see amber i mean i just i was like so you guys can um okay i'm gonna go back to red <laughs> yeah <laughs> you guys enjoy that all my stuff mm. is all my stuff is red yeah I, I i do red really well all my all my stuff is red some of the neon greens i can see pretty good but most of this is straight up red uh for db and yeah. you know and again i can't see the way dobbs can um, uh, he has truly phenomenal vision. You know, we go out and, you know, Wayne, I want to do the hundred yard thing. And I'm like, okay, Wayne, I can't see eight inch plates at a hundred, a little more than eight. it makes hitting them hard when you can't see them. And, you know, weirdly I started in law enforcement. I had 2010 vision and, you know, and, and it was funny cause I used to be the guy making fun of old, the old shooters with their you know trifocals and the head positioning to try to get their eyes right and all this and i always thought god what's wrong with these people and then you know 20 years of working nights um yeah i go to the eye doctor and the you know, guys all i don't know what you did but apparently you can see that <laughs> distance perfectly you right. can't see anything else but you can see so perfectly your eyes are perfectly focused for something right there you know i've got my eyes set up um, and, you know, I really lost a lot of the vision, uh, you know, like reading license plates at night and stuff that used to be really easy is really hard. And, you know, we age and stuff. And that's sort of the beauty of the red dots. It's, you know, and my thing has never been against them. It's always been we're not quite there yet to where I can give these systems to large groups of people who are not dedicated users and get them to work. And we're, we're there. I mean, we're certainly there on the carbines and rifles. We're yeah. certainly are absolutely there. Uh, we have been there for many years. Um, and you can probably thank Uncle Sam for that, is that, you know, when you have the military pushing the program, you know, you're getting a lot of people immersed in it. And the pistol thing is going to kind of take a bit, but we're, we're getting closer every day. And I think we're, we're sort of now uh, treading from the experimental side to tipping our tipping our toes into the golden age yeah and uh, you know we uh wayne and i talked about that a lot in the past and speculated and you know we've been doing this for a long time now is that at some point we're going to have young police officers military people are going to be have a sight on their their handgun their rifles all that stuff that they just basically bring it up in front of them they're going to see um, some sort of dot thing. Uh, some of the rifles will have probably BDCs built in, almost like a heads-up display in some of the fighter jets. And the technology is going to be microscopic and integrated into the systems from the minute they're designing them. 
and we'll be there. But we're not there yet, but we're really on a solid pathway now. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of that comes because we have shooters dedicated to it. And I'm not the guy anymore. Um, Nor am I. The Yeah, I, I leave that stuff to people who really, really deep dive into it. It's not saying I can't teach it. It's not saying I can't run it. But there are some people who are hard, hard immersed on the red dot stuff. And I pay attention to what they're doing because it helps me. And it helps me advise people on who to go to or how to get that information. Well, um, well, you know, I find I tell people that uh, it, before we head on to my favorite subject, yeah. Um, yeah, the, I just tell them, look, the red dots take more work to get good with them, but you can make much farther strides with them. And now we're getting some systems that make sort of that, that training time initially easier to uh easier to apply to the irregular shooters. Well, now that we've discussed all the newfangled technology, uh, I'm going to tell a quick story that, <laughs> excuse me, that happened at Las Vegas Metro's range when I realized that I need to heed the advice of Daryl and Wayne, which was, you're not the young kid anymore, right? And uh, I I go over to the Vang booth because when you see a Vang 870, you shoot a Vang 870, period. There's no question about it. So I walk up and in front of me is three police officers that I would say the oldest was under 30. And they pick this shotgun up and they're they're admiring it like it's Excalibur that's just been pulled from a stone, you know. And, And they shoot it and it's like, wow, that's incredible. So I grab five rounds and I go load it and I kind of, you know, I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, well, they're not all that they got to be out of the Academy within the last few years, you know, and I run it the way you run a shotgun. And when I set it down and turn around, I look and all three of them are as wide eyed as I've ever seen anyone. And, and I, I'm not being braggadocious here. It occurred to me that these three fellas, if you had handed them any of the black rifles on the range, they would have absolutely been enamored with it and known everything about it. But you hand them this boomstick from, you know, the tales of folklore of cop past. Uh, it's, it's an anomaly. It's something that they, they don't know. And, and I grew up on it. Right. So that being said, uh, some of the improvements that I saw to the Vang system uh, really makes me want to go out and buy a pump shotgun again, uh, if for nothing else than to amuse younger policemen that are starting a right. career. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know the 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 pump shotgun to me is sort of the uh, snub revolver in what it is you know it's like yeah you picking that up would have been like going to work with a 26 inch koga you know with a, with a coca ball of baton right you know those kids would have been what what is that it comes in what are those colors is that wood you know? yeah <laughs> it's like yeah we did some lord's work with coca ball of batons you know so the uh yeah they look like something from a weird past but the uh, you and I both come from the uh, appreciation and club of loving Benelli's mm-hmm. um, with a long history with them. And, you know, you pick that uh, they had that 870 that had the uh, uh, I think I don't know if they call them centennials. 
sites or whatever, but the Fisher yeah. designed sites on them. A really good set of pistol like, sites. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, it's almost like what we, we've always run on the uh, you know, the M1, one mm-hmm. Benelli's and you know, and they're, they've always been a good site. That's always been natural for me and we like them. So yeah, that was a really, really nice uh, thing. And boy, the guns just run and, you know, there's so much you can do with them. And, you know, I'm on board, you know, you know, I shoot, you know, tons of Beretta stuff now and the semi-autos and that, you know, the Beretta semi-auto system's awesome. The Benelli's are still awesome. Um, there's nothing wrong with any of those. And, if I was going to war with them today, that would be fine. But I mean, like I said, there's the, the beauty of pump shotguns is God, you can shoot anything in them. They're truly kind of like the snubs are kind of an expert's gun. Um, you, you know, you could the load selection you can do, the sort of um, innate uh, ability to adapt them. And then the other issue that comes in, and it's what I, I, literally drive around with now is you know i've got a uh, raptor grip pump 18 inch barrel shotgun that is literally my car gun um i can run it from inside the car and you know what i can do drive into all 50 states and nobody wants to hang me because i've got a pump shotgun uh that's not you know a firearm or some you know sbs or semi-auto or mag extension not one of those evil ars Right, but it will get you out of my my driver's side window pretty quick. So, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, it's you know it's my my BLM Antifa roadblocker setup. Um, you know, if you want to pull me out of the car, you know, give it your best shot. But it's going to come with some some. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not going happily. So, the uh, you know that's kind of been my go to. So there's still some places with pump shotguns for me that I like, and it's just like I like having a snub you know, lightweight revolver in my pocket all the time. Yeah. Do I carry nine millimeter pistols down the front of my pants? Like I have for, you know, 30 something years. Yes. And I still carry a revolver in my pocket and I still have a place for pump shotguns. And, you know, here's the reality. Bang comps, the king of pump shotgun period. Yeah. No need to discuss. There's some other companies do some great work on them. Um, but you know, when it comes down to it, I'm going to just go ahead and throw out there. Um, to me, I have run them for so long that and have such a long history with the company that I am just a a you know fanboy and I'm good with it. Yeah. I and there's no complaints and I was really happy with the product I saw. I'm really happy with the direction they're going. It was nice talking to Cody. We're gonna probably end up hosting uh them out to probably do a one day, uh, you know, like one day armor or not really an armor's class, a one day here's how to maintain your shotgun mm-hmm. by yourself B- because you know there's the, it's sort of a dying art, but you know, if you have one of these things, you know, just enough information, not a full boat armor's class, but that you can fully maintain your own system by yourself. Um, it's one of those things that we keep talking about. And I need to get earnest out to do like a one day. Beretta 92 maintenance program that you can maintain that gun by yourself just because we've lost the armor stuff over the years to run these. So, um, yeah, we'll probably do that. We'll do probably a one day having the van guys out teaching how to you know self-maintain your gun. And I'll do a one day pump track and operator class. And it'd be kind of fun. We'll try to break your gun on day one and then you can maintain and fix it on day two. And, uh, you know, it'd be a good thing. So yeah, great system. Um, well, 
one of the things we, that we issued them, I put them into my agency. Uh, yeah. I think we had 40 something bang eight seventies in our cars. And, um, it was one of my, my prouder moments of success of putting a great piece of gear uh, right. into those vehicles for our guys to use. Well, one of the things that, that came up, uh, you know, after I posted the, the, the video of me running the, the van gun, uh, was I got some messages that said, you know, Hans is retired. And I said, yeah, I, I'm aware. Yes. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, he moved the company or the company moved. And I went, uh-huh. And the, mm-hmm. the, the only apprehension I heard was, well, we've seen that movie before. Is everything still on par? And I can say with 100% confidence that yes, they are producing as good, if not slightly aesthetically more pleasing shotguns now than they have ever so uh and so you know what most people don't know is hans was an exceptionally good gunsmith period yeah um i went to hans when he was in goleta california now most people don't know that hans started out in goleta california which was a great place to visit and like anything with visiting Hans, they had a great Mexican restaurant next door to go have lunch with Hans. But the, uh, you know, when I started dealing with him, I mean, I have a, a really cool uh, Ruger single action in my safe that was built by Hans Van. You know, if you don't normally associate with Hans with things like 1911s, Ruger Blackhawk, stuff like that, but Hans was an exceptionally good gunsmith back in the day on everything. So, you know, he moved to, you know, out to Chino Valley or, or Paulden or Prescott or whatever part of that they're at over there on right off the highway. I mean, I know where the shop is. that also has great Mexican close by. <laughs> and, you know, and, but, you know, you know, when they got out to Arizona, Hans had a, had a crew of great people and it's the same people, you know, mm-hmm. it's just Hans retired, you know, and, and, uh, you know, Hans was his own personality, but you know, the reality is, as we all know, in a lot of these shops, it's a lot of the ones that, that aren't getting the FaceTime that are doing most of the work in the shop. I mean, I've been in the Langdon shop. Do I love Ernest spending, you know, sprinkling pixie dust all over my guns and doing sure. And I just took delivery of my, my wife's birthday present, which was a Langdon tactical, uh, 43 X. I don't know if Ernest built it or not, but the gun's fabulous. And I'm sure it was one of the guys in the shop that are all trained. They're all supervised, all the QC. Most of these, I have no worries with the Van Comp shop on what I'm seeing getting put out of that shop. Yeah. With Hans's retirement at all. And, and when it and comes to dear, dear, dear friends with Hans. So, you know, it's still consider Hans a dear friend. And so well, the, when the it comes to Langdon, Hans. when it comes to Langdon, I'm going to throw a shout out to Jonah Bernowski. That kid, uh, I took my LTT 92 over there and he did not take his attention away from the bench of what he was working on other than to say, Hey, Brian, how's it going? And back at it. And Ernest handed my LTT number 50, uh, to one of his gunsmiths. And I said, man, I need a top end kit, respring it. It basically any part that's got wear extractor, the whole nine yards, give me the whole, the, the whole thing, uh, rebuild that gun, everything, but the barrel slide and frame, right? 
And 15 minutes later, this kid hands it back to me. And I went, that would have taken me like three and a half hours. Thanks for that. You know, sometimes it's work to pay for it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, um, yeah, my wife and I are kind of pro staff with them. And the Mm -hmm. the Langdon's are personal friends um, of ours, uh, you know, completely outside gun world. Ernest and Amy are just stellar humans. And, you know, last time I was there, you know, same type of thing. I needed some, some, stuff corrected from other people gunsmithing on things and yeah Ernest handed off to one of the guys and all the work got done and you know it was mostly parts replacement stuff and it was like yeah this is yeah i don't know who did this and i don't know who did that and it's like yeah that's why we're here getting this thing back the way it should be and yeah it was done and i I was bsing with Ernest. you know same here completely other stuff yeah i was like you know he trusts them i trust them and yeah, most of these shops are uh, a lot of these. If they haven't gotten too big, or they they have the deep uh, institutional knowledge that have set the parameters for the QC, they're in good shape. So, well, yeah. and uh, yeah, matter of fact, I'm headed there tomorrow to drop another forty eight off. But I was so impressed with my wife's forty three eggs. I'm dropping a forty eight off for it. So, well, the funny the funny thing was, you know, I'm standing there at the bench talking to Ernest, and we're talking you know, instructor stuff and gun stuff and prototype designs and all this, you know, the stuff that gun dudes talk about when you got a few minutes. Right. And, uh, I said, what are you carrying, man? And he goes, Oh, I'm carrying a, a, a G 48 that Jonah did. And I went, I run that by me again. He goes, yeah, he built this one up for me. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the guy. All right. Cool, man. Yeah, yeah. I, and I mean, think of the gravity of that statement, you know, yeah, I had him just dial this one up for me. Um, yep. so, and, you know, and that's, what's funny, you know, we have, you know, personal relationships with these people, you know, you know and yeah, cause we don't want to give the impression. Yeah. Just drop by the Langdon's cause you can't do that. No, <laughs> um, but you know, you know, we have, so what's kind of funny is, you know, we have long deep personal relationships with some of these people, whether it's Hans or Ernest Amy or whatever. And, you know, we're not sitting there going, Oh no, if you don't build it, I don't want it touched. It's like, if you trust these folks to work on your personal friends, guns, good enough and you know that's the ones working on everybody's stuff and they and the reality is they have more time on it and are focused on it at this point than running a cut co- they're not running a company they're building your gun and yeah. that's a big deal you know and it's why i kind of like uh it's important to me to kind of know these companies and let them get established on some reps and a lot of them it took years to get to where they are but once they are um you know, they have a lot of experience on what wrong looks like as well as right. So absolutely. Well, yep. I think we've covered the gamut from old there to new, go. from optics new. to pistols to all things in between. So, yep. uh, I think that's a good wrap. All right. Daryl, thanks again, man, for coming on. And, and mostly thanks for chauffeuring me around at uh, SHOT Show Range Day. I did make it to Industry Day for a bit and uh, got to, you know, got to shoot all the ammo that you guys that left early stayed, you know, left behind. So 
had a uh, rapid industry range day at Boulder, but uh, Daryl and I made the journey up to Las Vegas Metro. Fabulous facility and great, just a great cadre of instructors that put that on. So shout out to Las Vegas Metro PD. Reminder, check out today's sponsors. Excess Sites, title sponsor of the podcast at excesssites.com. Got some good time with Kelly and Addison uh, out at SHOT Show. Thanks to you ladies for uh, just making my SHOT Show that much better. CCW Safe, enter code OFFDUTY10 for 10% off your membership at checkout. EDC Belt Company, edcbeltco.com. And don't forget to sign up for the Concealed Carry Podcast Giveaway. Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC, presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions. Follow all firearm safety rules. Consult with a competent firearms instructor and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.